Welcome back. This is Survived. With Sophie. And Lexi. We started telling our survived story in college, and we're moving on to bring you guys more. Through many different topics. How are you doing today, Lexi? I'm just dandy. Uh, I got my garden already. I just can't plant anything yet because it's going to be cold. Ooh, yeah, that's the worst. Yep. Because our weather is just unpredictable. It hates us. I think it might be drunk. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, how are you? You know, just hanging in there. Busy life, but I'd rather be busy than bored, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. (laughs) Sometimes being bored is okay, but I think there's, like, you can only take it for so long. Yeah. Speaking of gardens, I only own one plant, and it's an aloe plant. And I've had that aloe plant, I think, since my freshman year of college. And an aloe is a very easy plant to take care of. It's probably one of the basic plants because it barely needs to get watered. It doesn't need to get watered every day. And it just needs like indirect sunlight. And it's a good plant to have in your house, you know, if you get a burn or, you know, for whatever. But I, my aloe plant has grown so big that the other day I noticed that it was kind of falling over. So I was like, oh, I have some extra soil. Let me try to repot this, you know, dump out the old soil, give it some new soil because it was trying to unroot itself because it was, I don't know, it was being really weird. So I was trying to, you know, help it out, being a good plant mom. (laughs) And when I was carrying it over from the ledge over to the sink area, it completely jumped out of its pot (gasps) onto the floor. I was like, what do I do? (laughs) But... Good news, I repotted it. It's fine. It's still living. It's alive. It's alive. (laughs) Good. I'm glad it's still alive. It just gave me a scare because it actually just, like, jumped out of its pot. It said, no more, please. But, yeah, that's my little plant story. So that's why I don't have a garden. Um, I only have the most basic plant. (laughs) That's okay. I have an aloe plant, and (laughs) I think Travis is ready to kill me because I have 20 pots in the house right now, (laughs) and, like, that's not including my, like, little, so, like, you start, when you start your garden, you put, like, the seeds in, like, these, like, little pre-potted things, and it's, like, in this black container. Yeah. So, I have that on top of, like, the 20 pots that I already have in the house, but, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. You just got plants everywhere. Yep. <laughs> nice. So, just to get back to what we're doing today, this week we're going through some cases that might be a little less known or cases from way back when. Some oldies. Some yes. oldies but goodies. Yes. And a little overview is we're going to be talking about the Jack the Ripper survivors and the disappearance of Dorothy Arnold. Yep. And I'm super excited to hear about Sophie's story. And I'm excited to hear about Lexi's. I feel like we've been doing this new thing where we 
don't kind of read don't, each other. Yeah. We don't read each other's stories. So then it's kind of a surprise the day. Yeah, of. I like it. It's in it's interesting because then it's like nice little story time. It's like you have your own personal listener right here. Exactly. Live <laughs> in person. Yeah. So shall we dive in? Yes. Um, okay. So as Sophie said, I will be doing Jack the Ripper. Um, so basically Jack the Ripper and like the survivors, no one really knows if this is true or not. Um, but no one also really knows who his exact victims were. No one really knows if, um, he, there was like a lot of uncertainty and especially throughout the years, um, it's been kind of turned more into like a folk story, I guess. I don't know what to call it, but like a lead legend almost. Something that's been of. passed on through yeah. generations. Yep. Some it just keeps getting passed on. And I feel like kind of like telephone things get mixed up and lost. But that makes sense though. Because if they didn't write it down, then Yeah. It's just by word of mouth. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, some, so some authorities say there are or there were never any survivors of Jack the Ripper. So let's set the background up and let our listeners decide if there were actually survivors. Ooh, mystery. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. <clears throat> Jack the Ripper um, was given the name to an unidentified serial killer who was active in the White chapel area east end of london in 1888 in september of 1888 two women were discovered to not only have been murdered but their bodies were brutally mutilated oh yeah trigger warning for all this obviously yes this is kind of graphic because we're going to kind of talk about a couple theories throughout like as i kind of just set up the scene and then um, i'm going to talk about the survivors um, this set them far apart from other victims, and investigators immediately believed these two women were murdered by the same person. The murders were carried out um, with the killer's ca- calling card, and all of his victims shared the following. All of them were prostitutes. All of them had their throats slashed. All Ooh. of them suffered... Yeah, it, it's a horrific scene. Um, all of them suffered mutilation to their bodies, and at least three of them had their organs removed after they died. Jeez. So, the organs that he was removing were, um, like, mm-hmm. kidneys and livers, and um, he removed a uterus one time. He was very known for removing uteruses, but um, the mystery that left everyone um, confused by behind Jack the Ripper, even like historians and criminologists, was just he must have been doing this. A lot of people theorized that he took these organs and sold them on the black market, um, hmm. especially in. 1888 uh when they were it's pretty new um of like 
not saying that they their transplant worked, but um, I know back in those days, a lot of doctors like to buy organs on the black market for some reason. On the 27th of September of 1888, a taunting letter was written to the police by an author who claimed to be Jack the Ripper. The letter mocked the police um, with the author claiming that he would never be identified. Mm. This serial killer would go down in history with the most unknown prolific serial killer in history. So he was never like identified as a person? No. No one really knows who he is. Um, Two, so after he kind of went down in history, well, he hasn't, I mean, obviously he went down in history now, but we're going to kind of get back into the case again. So two women were murdered in East End before Mary Ann Nichols, Emma Elizabeth Smith, and Martha Tabern. Emma Elizabeth Smith died Um, On the 4th of April of 1888, she was admitted to the hospital but died shortly after uh, and was able to tell the police that she was set up by a group of three men, leading most investigators to decide it was she was not the Jack the Ripper victim, not part of one of them. Hmm. Uh, Martha Tabburn. Um, died on the 7th of August of 1888. Um, she was killed with 39 stab wounds, a slash to the throat that basically almost decapitated her, and the only reason why it didn't was because her head, it didn't cut through the bone. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, he was a horrific man. Um... But people don't know if she was actually a Jack the Ripper victim. They just speculate she was. And then after Mary Jane's slaying, um, four more East End women, Rose, Milet, Alice McKenzie, um, and Frances Coles were also killed. Rose died on the 20th of December of 1888. She was found strangled and possibly, and they thought it was suicide. And then they basically eliminate her as a Ripper victim. Some people do, some people don't. She's on the list. Mm-hmm. Alice McKenzie um, died seventeen, the 17th of July of 1889. She was killed um, with a cut to her left carotid artery in one of the examining pathologist believed to be another Ripper victim. However, his colleague during the last few autopsies of this of her body disagrees. Again, I just don't think people really know. In the September of 1888, a headless and legless torso of an oh Yep. <clears throat> of an unidentified woman was found in Whitechapel, but they didn't think she was a part of the Ripper thing. Um, Frances Cole died the 13th of February of 1891. She was killed with a slash to the throat with many mutilations. Um, A friend of hers, James 
Thomas Sadler was arrested and was thought to be the Ripper himself, but his alibi was him being in the Navy at the time of all of the murders. So he was released. Um, Wow. So here is a list of the three possible survivors. Um, Annie Millwood, Ada Wilson, and Annie Farmer were three women who all survived attacks in Whitechapel. Annie Millwood had stabs in her legs. Ada Wilson had been stabbed twice in the neck. Annie Farmer had her her cut, had her throat cut, sorry guys, which detectives thought was self-inflicted. I don't know why someone would want to cut their neck, but okay. How would that, how could that even be self, and even if there was some kind of, oh my gosh, like that bothers me. How a detective would be like, oh, this is self-inflicted. Like you can tell by angles and stuff like that. Like that's, I don't know. I mean, you also have to think about it back in that day too. Like they just basically blamed women for like, oh, if your dress was a little too short past your ankles, like you're asking for it kind of thing. Yeah. So I feel like they just kind of blamed her in that scenario. The cut throat really follows the Jack the Ripper. Um, yeah. Especially just because all of his victims were found with the slash throat. Um, a lot of people were stabbed. And so he was very known for using a knife. Um, when they did the autopsies in eighteen hundred in the 1800s, um, they noted how he knew what organs he was going for. So he knew the human body. So many people speculate that, A, he's been doing this a very long time and has just figured it out. Or B, he's some type of medical professional. Yeah. Like or he was smart. Farmer. Yeah. Something where he knew where certain body parts are. Wow. Because you have to, like, I mean, back in those days, like, you weren't really educated, so. Unless you went to school, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, still, to, oh, I can't even imagine. But, like, to be able to do that, you would have to know where those things are. Like, precisely so yeah so all those three women survived the jack the ripper or so they never really confirmed who it was i'm guessing they said it was jack the ripper um because they ended up on the survivors list there's only three of them and they all had stab wounds or some type of um, cut to the neck so people just kind of categorize them in there because uh, his he was very known for cutting the neck and then going and stabbing them a bunch of times and then taking the organs like so he would stab the body in some areas where he like that was the part two where he would stab the body like on the arms the legs but never like in the torso area hmm. so he knew what he was doing he was enjoying it too because he was stabbing like that part like he probably enjoyed that which is disgusting 
but yeah and so the authorities disagree that these three survivors were actual survivors yeah or... i mean some people some authorities think they are some people think they some authorities think they aren't some people think they are some people think they aren't it's all just kind of gotten lost throughout time so who really knows if they are but i mm-hmm. think they are i mean all serial killers have survivors yeah and heck even if it was just some other attack by somebody else they survived like they still made it yeah but still ooh. i feel like the one reason why the authorities would disagree is because they probably saw the other victims and be like there was no way you could have survived this like how did you get away kind of situation i'm but... sure it's like you're in the like alleyways and stuff and then you get attacked and if you move or make a quick enough escape without him being able to grab you, you can get away. Yeah, that's true. Wow. You know, I didn't know too much about Jack the Ripper. I knew he did some horrifying things, like, a long time ago. But... (laughs) That is some horrifying things. Oh, well... Thank you, Lexi, for that story, because I didn't know the people's names either. So even the victims' names. So it's good to hear their names, too, because I feel like you don't want those people to get lost either. Nope. I think that they deserve to have their names said and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Well... I'm just going to jump right into my story. (laughs) Turn it around. Well, since yours was kind of like, oh, we don't know if these are actual survivors or not. Mine's kind of on the same mystery train. So tonight's a little taking it back to the old times mystery train case. So mine's about a disappearance. But we don't know what happened. There's a lot of theories, and we'll go over them as well. But first, I'm just going to set up the background. And this story is about Dorothy Arnold. She was 25 years old in 1910, and she was a very well-known socialite. So her family was very wealthy. Her father was a partner at, like, an F.R. Arnold and Company, I think it was called, And it was a luxury perfume and cologne. So they had, they had the money. And she participated in all the socialite gatherings, such as like debutante balls, cotillion. And her family was on the social register association. And if you don't know what that is, it's, (laughs) which is like, It's like a list for all the families if you're wealthy, wealthy. Like, you have to have money to be on that list. And to get on that list, you have to apply for it. You have to get recommendations from others on the list. And they look at all your social history. Even if you're friends with or marry the wrong person, you can get booted off that list easily. Or say the wrong thing in public. It's a very high end. So that's that's kind of the family and 
the people that we're kind of talking about, just to put it in perspective. Ooh, so we're yeah. really stepping it up this time. Kind of like Upper East Side Gossip Girl, but like back in 1910. So, not, <laughs> so like the 1910 version. Exactly. Exactly that. So, however, Dorothy, she liked, you know, the socialite activities, but she also liked be- being very studious. She attended Bryn Mawr College which is one of the seven sister colleges and the seven sister colleges is like the seven historic woman colleges. And they're seen as, you know, high as the Ivies, you know, very fancy. She had a dream of becoming a writer, which her parents were very not supportive of. They did not like that. They wanted her to find a good man and get married because that's what she was supposed to do. At the time, Dorothy was seeing this man named George Griscom, 42. And however, there's like some rumors that he was younger than 42, like 36 or something like that. But who knows? He was older than her. Her parents did not approve of George because her father said, I don't approve of young man, young men who have nothing to do. And which means he like George didn't have a hardworking job because his family was also very well off. So he didn't have, you know, work to go to. But apparently his Dorothy's parents did not approve of George. And Dorothy's parents did not know she was seeing George until at one moment they were, you know, asked to visit friends on this vacation Dorothy snuck out and you know went to visit George they caught her in the act and they were furious and that's how they kind of found out about George so it was just a big mess with him disproving from the very first interaction (laughs) but anyway so kind of background there she's Got kind of a little scandalous love that she hid from her parents for a bit. They found out in a horrible way how she was sneaking out to see him. And, but, you know, they're from a very high class family situation. Okay. Now on to the disappearance. On December 12th of 1910... Dorothy Arnold left the Upper East Side home she shared with her parents to purchase an evening gown. Naturally, she was dressed to the nines. Dorothy wore a navy blue serge suit with a high neck white lace, kind of Victorian styled ruffled lace. Her hands were in tan gloves and she carried a large black fox fur muff for extra warmth I feel like I can just picture that like a little muff in her hands like all you know dressed up just walking out to go shopping and she had about $25 with her of her monthly allowance which is equal to about $900 today so she was walking around with $900 Just enjoying life. Yeah. 
They said her dark brown hair was in full pompadour, covered with a large black velvet hat. She loved her hats. That's another thing. It seems like she was just like overall a fashionista. Yes. The way that you're describing her. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine it in my head and I'm like, wow, she really must have been like just gorgeous. Like the Blair Waldorf of that time. (laughs) If Um, anyone watches Gossip Girl, I'm sorry. (laughs) I love Gossip Girl. Anyway, they just, you know, Upper East Side, that whole thing. Anyway, Dorothy told her mother that she was going to go out and shop for that evening gown. Her mother stated she would come with her, but Dorothy's mother had been ill recently, and Dorothy told her that she should just stay at home and rest. You know, that's normal. So Dorothy went to Fifth Avenue to buy some chocolates, and then she went to a bookstore where she purchased a book and ran into her close friend. And later that day, you know, the friend stated that Dorothy seemed completely normal, happy, and last she saw Dorothy, she was heading through Central Park. The friend would never know that was the last time anyone would see Dorothy. Or so they thought. Hmm. As dinner time rolled around, Dorothy's family was worried that she was not home for dinner. She never missed a meal. But they sat down and ate dinner anyway. They didn't call anyone right away, but they ate dinner together without Dorothy. And when Dorothy didn't show up after dinner, they started calling her friends. When her friends said, nope, we haven't seen her since this afternoon. They, you know, saw her earlier that day and they started asking, well, you know, she hasn't come home yet. That's very strange of her. Their parents told these friends, do not say a word about this and please keep quiet. Weird. Weird. Okay. So your child goes missing. You're calling, instead of calling the police, you haven't heard from your child. You haven't seen her. Like she's supposed to be home hours ago. Call her friends. Friends haven't seen her. And then you tell your friends, don't talk about this. Don't say a word to anyone. I think that's strange. Yeah. I mean, it's a little odd. Mm-hmm. Very odd. But also, like, you have to think about it. Like, 911 didn't exist back in those days. Like, missing people didn't exist. Like, if you went missing, no one would go looking for you, I feel like. Just, just wait. It gets even weirder. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) So around midnight, one of Dorothy's friends calls back and asks if Dorothy has come home. Dorothy's mother states, oh, yeah, she's home. And the friend asks, oh, can I speak with her? And her mother says, oh, she's she has a headache. I'm sorry. You cannot speak with her right now. She's laying down. And the friend thought that was very strange because Dorothy did not return home that day. And they had no idea where she was. And this lie was never explained of why the mother lied to the friends or that friend. So the next day, instead of calling the police, they called a friend of the family who was a lawyer to come by the house. 
weird again. So this lawyer friend investigated the house for the family and found, you know, Dorothy's things, just how she left them. Kind of like she didn't pack up and leave or, you know, take anything with her. Like she was running away or, you know, planning to go anywhere. They found love letters as well. And you'd think if she was trying to go somewhere, she would get rid of those because she didn't want her parents to look at those. But essentially, there was no clues to where Dorothy would have gone. So the family called the Pinkertons. And wow, when I saw that, I was like, where have I heard that before? Oh, in the last case we talked about, right? The Pinkerton (gasps) security. Oh my god, yes! yes! What the heck? I was like, no way this is happening. So, yes, the Pinkerton oh God, crazy. The Pinkerton Security Detective Agency has been around for a long time. However, in this situation, they don't do anything bad, so don't worry. <laughs> but they were like a detective agency. And they, you know, come over, the family tells them what's going on. And they convince Dorothy's family, the Arnolds, to turn over this to the police and the media. And then the tips start rolling in. So many people said, oh, I saw Dorothy here. I saw her there. Or there was a body found in the river. And they followed up on every single lead, but none of them were Dorothy. At one point, there was a rumor that Dorothy's mother was missing. However, Dorothy's mother actually went to Europe to find George. Because George was in Europe at the time. She went to ask George if she has, if he had seen or spoke with Dorothy recently. And George was distraught by the news because he was in love with Dorothy. And he had not seen Dorothy or know where she was. And... It was just a whole big to-do because they were like, why were you in Europe? And they initially lied to the police and the media why they were there. It was very strange. And now there's a lot more scandal that went on with the story. However, I am going to skip the majority of the drama and just go into the theories that came up because that's what you're all here for. (laughs) Because it is the Upper East Side. There was some drama. But Ooh, I'm so excited. This mm-hmm. is like real life. So I'm trying to remember. So one thing, one little thing of drama that kind of leads into one of these theories that I will touch on. The rest of it's kind of just, it doesn't really matter to the story. But George did propose to Dorothy kind of over the media saying, Dorothy, if you come home, I would like to wed you. And that was a big no-no because he did not talk with Dorothy's father beforehand, which was necessary to ask for the blessing and to, you know, make sure it was okay. And everyone said he was a fool for doing that. And there was kind of rumors that George actually loved Dorothy more than she actually liked him. Like, she... She was in love with him to an extent, but he was almost, like, more infatuated with her 
it's yeah so that kind of leads into some of these theories that I'm going to go into so first there are those who believe that Dorothy was just fed up with the restrictions at home because her parents didn't approve of the man she loved yeah yeah she they didn't approve of her writing and what she wanted to do with her life so she decided to take it into her own hands and that she pulled together the little money she had told her parents she was going to run errands and then left nothing more than the clothes on her back to start a new life and this theory was by a riverfront merchant who claimed that a mysterious young woman of apparent refinement that's in quotes had tried to give him like jewelry in exchange for clothes to disguise herself as a man hmm so that's one theory that's very interesting mm-hmm. another theory is and kind of like i don't believe this happened but that she potentially committed suicide in a state of just because she was in rejection as a failure of a writer because she would send in her writing pieces to like newspapers and magazines but she de- kept getting declined so they would decline her writings to be published but you know she kept going she kept writing in but people said that might have made her depressed and the only like evidence you can say that could back this up is a letter that she had recently written to George had the puzzling line of mother will always think an accident has happened what yeah like an accident will happen or she was trying to have her mother think an accident happened maybe she just was done with being high class honestly that's what that's what i think but okay so another theory is she thought or some thought that she had run away to be with george he was in europe at the time of her disappearance and he was at his parents and he said he had no knowledge of her whereabouts you know blah blah he said that to her parents and the public, everyone. And then he very public, publicly, wow, that's a very hard word to say. Publicly, okay. Came back to the States to help with the search. So that's also when he did the big proposal over the media. It was very public. A darker side to the speculation about his involvement suggests that Dorothy had died in the course of getting some kind of back alley abortion and that he had put on a front and stayed silent about the tragedy. Because there was some rumors that this girl that looked like Dorothy was at this one, you know, place to get abortions, but they couldn't, you know. Like, really tell? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And her father, Mr. Arnold, became convinced very early on that Dorothy had been kidnapped and murdered probably in Central Park and he thinks that her body was dumped in the reservoir not found and it was 
frozen at the time. It never turned up. He believed this in the early days of investigation that he, Dorothy somehow was taken in plain sight in the middle of a crowded New York City on Fifth Avenue. I don't see I, how that would be happen, like possible. Yeah, I don't believe that. Especially back in that day because everyone was really nosy. Yeah, and she was a socialite. She probably had people watching her every move. Yep. So, especially if she was in public, I don't believe that at all. But it's very sad to think, like, her own father just wrote it off right away and said, nope, she's dead. We're not going to search for her anymore. He was just, yeah, that's... He was just done. (sighs) However, a little twist here. (laughs) The clerk of marriage licenses stated to the investigators in February. So, remember, she went missing back in December of 1910 so in this clerk of marriage licenses stated to the investigators in february of 1911 that back in thanksgiving time 1910 before she went missing like a month before she went missing the pinkerton detective agency had come in and done a thorough search of the marriage license records to see if dorothy had filed for one which means her parents were worried that she was going to elope. Oh, no. And they thought she was going to elope before she even went missing. And they said, could you check from this past year, specifically within the past couple months, to see if she filed for a marriage license? So it doesn't go into detail on what she was going through with her life during that last year but i think that she was definitely thinking of running off with someone especially if her parents believe that she was going to elope oh yeah for sure and this is my theory that i believe So, in March of 1911, there were rumors that Dorothy's mother sent letters to the chief's detective in Oklahoma. And you're like, okay, Oklahoma, what does that have to do with all this? So, she believed her daughter was in Oklahoma and was hiding out there. This is because there had been talk about this couple in Oklahoma And two detectives were on this case already, but everything was very quiet and hush-hush because they didn't want it to get out to the entire world yet. The friends of this man, you know, from this couple, and they were located in Muskogee, Muskogee, wow, I can't pronounce things, but that, Muskogee, Oklahoma, And they believed the woman that he was with was Dorothy, going by the name Virginia. And the reason why is because reporters spoke with the couple and they, the couple wouldn't deny that she was Dorothy, but they wouldn't say she was either. At one point, the man was sweating during this interview 
and he said her maiden name was Arnold, but then he backtracked and then asked her, what was your maiden name again? And she said, never mind what my name was. My name now is Virginia. It sounds like she was just done with her parents. Mm-hmm. Another thing that adds to this suspicion is that initials on their trunk, which was their luggage, had the name, it was like the name had been scratched away, but a capital letter A could still be seen. A for Arnold. <laughs> and on the bottom of the trunk, there are the words New York City. What? Don't tell me that's not Dorothy. It sounds like she literally just probably wanted to get out of the spotlight, especially because, like, you even, like, you see, like, Britney Spears and, like, all the kids that grow up in, like, that kind of socialite era when they're younger, like, hate it when they get older. Mm-hmm. And another thing is everyone said she arrived on the 1st of February in that town. I have a feeling, okay, I believe your theory out of all the rest of them. Yes. That one makes the most sense, especially I... if, like, her parents won't let her do this. They won't let her do that. They won't let her marry somebody that she wants to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she just got fed up maybe with George or something happened or she planned to run away with George. And maybe she just was like, no, I can't tell anyone. I honestly just have to disappear and become someone else. And maybe that's what she did because I believe that she ran away to Oklahoma and met somebody else or had somebody else that she was talking to possibly secretly. And then now she was in Oklahoma. That's crazy though. Wow. Yeah. I believe that theory because it just seems like she just wanted to be a writer and be with who she loved. And not be in the spotlight too much. Nope. I completely agree with that one. I feel like that um, really helps. I don't know. Like, I think that one makes the most sense out of all of them. Yeah. That one is... I remember hearing this story for the first time and I was like, no way. This is an insane story. I love hearing survivor stories, but the disappearance stories where you're not quite sure what happened to them, especially this one where it's like, okay, she has to be alive. Or in that time, she was alive. (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely think that's true. I think she probably was just done with everyone. I mean, you don't have a personal life when you're in the spotlight like that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it felt nice to just be a nobody. But to leave her family, I know she had, like, a brother and a sister, too. Yeah. That would be hard. That but would be really hard. I mean, maybe she was just like, yeah, I'll, I have to leave. I don't know. I guess we'll never know all the details of what happened, but. And, yeah, there's a lot more, like, drama and stuff that went on with this case, but some of it is just not relevant so I just decided not to add it 
Otherwise, this episode would probably be an hour and a half long. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that was a really good story, Sophie. I really enjoyed that. It kind of um, lightened the mood after talking about cutting people's throats. Yeah. So we have one heavy and one light. (laughs) Yeah. I like how we do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I liked how we kind of brought it back a little bit because we've been doing some pretty recent cases, like within the 2000s area. So bringing it back to the 1800s and 1900s, you know. I'm not going to lie. We've had so like we have like this list of episode ideas. Um, We share it with each other. It's a Google Doc. And I have been just waiting to do an oldies. Like I love doing old time mysteries. like. Who actually knows, like, what really happened back in those days just because everyone was so frazzled, I guess? Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the cold cases from back then could definitely be solved today because of the technology advances. Mm -hmm. So that is also exciting. But yeah, I hope you guys like this episode and... Don't forget to follow our Instagram if you haven't. And if you guys want to hear a story or want to send in your own survive story, email us at our Gmail or DM us on Instagram. We will get other social media up and going um, here soon. And I know we keep saying that, but I will. We will get this started just because it's been a little busy for the both of us lately. (laughs) I think we said that last five episodes. It's like, I don't know what it is, but right now, like, time will not slow down. And I'm like, okay, I just need it to, like, kind of stretch itself out a little. I think it's just spring. Spring in general is just busy for everyone. Yeah, because you, like... Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, spring cleaning. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of just in, like, the spring mode i don't know i don't spring know mode. spring mode <laughs> well everyone have a good weekend and be safe yeah keep surviving keep living every day yes Alrighty. this has been survived <laughs> with sophie and lexi bye bye I don't know why I waited for the survive to go, but (laughs) bye guys.